0: Welcome to episode 111 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church and for all those who'd be interested in listening in. We so appreciate you joining us for this uh, 111th episode. And I would especially like to shout out our hosts here Pastor John Payne, the senior minister of Christ Church Presbyterian. Welcome, John. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, good to good to see you. And and our good friend Dr. Gabriel Williams is joining us as well, a longtime member of Christ Church and professor at the College of Charleston. Gabe, good to see you. Good seeing you. Well we are here to discuss the uh, Gospel Reformation Network conference that took place at the beginning of May, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, we, we met in Birmingham, Alabama at the historic Briarwood Church there. And uh, it was a wonderful time uh, gathering of, of, I would think, about 400 people in person or so and um, many, many more online watching us. Um, it was a wonderfully encouraging Conference um, two days long in 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 uh, in Birmingham that we were down there talking about issues related to the PCA and the name of the conference was O Church, arise a um, what was the subtitle John, biblical um, and confessional something, something. like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, that's okay. I
0: I just can't remember the name. Uh, of it. Yeah. So we'll cut there. We met in in Birmingham for the O Church Arise conference, and it was a wonderfully encouraging time. And uh, we would like to to just take some time to talk about some of the lectures. And I'd like to begin that by encouraging anyone who's listening to us to go to the to the Gospel Reformation Network website. It's gospelreformation net, or to the Gospel Reformation Network's YouTube channel, and you'll be able to watch all of these lectures. They're now posted online, free of charge. You may watch all of them. Uh, I would I would Definitely encourage you to to watch all of them. They are wonderful, uh, wonderful lectures, and um, they would they would very much uh, enrich your soul and your mind. And I I would um, I- encourage them to you. And so, um, John, maybe give some introductory remarks or some some talks about some, some of what the conference was about or what our goal was there. at the Yeah, it, it
2: really it really exceeded all expectations. Uh, we were very encouraged uh, as a council. Um, It was above and beyond all that we we prayed for. Mm -hmm. The Lord really blessed. We were blown away by the uh, the response, the the participation, both in person. There were probably five to six hundred people there on Wednesday night, uh, and they were. uh, One thing that was really neat is we we had uh, thirty churches uh, in fifteen different states having watch parties. Uh, One of them took place right here at Christ Church, and I think we had over 70 people gathering for dinner and uh, to watch the evening lectures. Uh, What an encouragement. And it also shows that there are a lot of people that are genuinely concerned about Hmm. uh, the state of the PCA and uh, some of the ways that uh, the PCA is expressing itself now, um, uh, and uh, many congregations, presbyteries, agencies of the PCA, things that are... Being said, things that being written are are concerning uh, to folks, and uh, you you see the outpouring of of interest mm. uh, and encouragement from our conference as as really speaking to that. Um, so yeah, uh, we're, we were encouraged, and uh, and and we hope that uh, this is something we could perhaps do again next year.
1: Great, definitely. One of the things I found really nice just about some of the talks, and so. I guess I'll start with the first talk, I believe, was David Strange's talk, Hmm. if my memory is correct. And some years ago, I read a book from Carl Truman on confessionalism. Mm -hmm. And at the time, that was the first real argument that I heard for confessionalism. The creedal imperative? Yeah, the creedal imperative, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so, David Strange's talk was in the same sort of vein, but much more focused. And as a lay person, you know, I'm not aware of what goes on kind of behind the scenes mm-hmm. on ordination and exceptions to the Westminster Confession and things of that nature. But it was encouraging just to hear another minister just passionately speak about what they took vows to uphold. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the more basic things of life, you just keep your vows, things right. tend to go easy uh, for you. And it's Encouraging to hear that there are still ministers who believe that the Westminster is still relevant. It's not just a historical document from, you know, 17th century England. It actually has bearing on how ministry ought to be done today and has bearing on how stable the denomination will be. Mm -hmm. One of the examples he uses is, what if each presbytery basically had their own quasi-confessional standard Mm -hmm. so that you cannot really have genuine ministerial fellowship because one person couldn't preach in one presbytery, one couldn't do anything else in any other place. And so hearing an argument for the stability of the denomination depends upon a real genuine confession of commitment I think it's well heard and it was yeah. very good to hear that's right
0: dr. strain's point was to remind everyone that the PCA is a confessional denomination mm-hmm. uh, and we are one denomination in a long line of, of confessional denominations that have said the Westminster standards are going to be our confessional documents and um, are the things that to which we must subscribe as ministers and elders and um, Dr. Strain's point was was just that that we need to act like it. Uh, we have this confession. We have confessed that this is what we believe. We need to to actually uh, believe it. And we need to actually live that confessionalism out. And it was a wonderfully encouraging and and uh, invigorating discussion of confessional subscription, and um, it might sound as as though that's a very dry topic, but it is very relevant to what uh, we are doing in the PCA and to what ministers are called to do, and that is to uphold the doctrine of the Westminster Standards, Uh, of course, as it it explains and expounds upon uh, the Bible. Um, one, of, one of Dr. Strain's points that I thought was very good is that um, heretics, Christian heretics historically, use the Bible to defend their heresy. Uh-huh. And so one thing that, that Christians have recognized from the very early stages of Christianity is that we need other statements to explain the Bible. And that's what, that's what creeds and confessions are. We're not saying that these confessional statements are on par with Scripture and that they are exactly as authoritative as Scripture. Only Scripture is God's Word. But we need help explaining what Scripture is. Is um, what Scripture gives us, because there are other people who will use those same texts and pervert them in such a way that uh, they will use the same Bible to make a very opposite and and often heretical point. And so, so confessions and creeds help us, help give us, uh, help guide us, and and show us what the Bible actually reveals as biblical truth. In the early two thousands, uh, the PCA voted
2: to. Uh, embrace good faith subscription of the Westminster standards. Now for those uh, who are uninitiated um, in this kind of language, uh, think of it this way. You have a confession. You have your doctrinal standards whereby you say this is what the leadership must believe Mm -hmm. in order to be leaders within this denomination because there must be a standard of truth. You say, well, my standard of truth is the Bible. Well, it's it's just as Michael said. (laughs) It, it, the standard of truth uh, was the Bible for all the ancient heretics mm-hmm. and all the modern heretics.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: Joel Osteen and others—they'd say my standard is the Bible. Yeah. Uh, the next question is, uh, what do you believe about the Bible? Right. And of course, traditionally, uh, in our Reformation heritage, we have held to what are called creeds and confessions. That's right. Uh, The ecumenical creeds of the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed, and then confessions. Uh, In our case, we hold to the 33 chapters of the Westminster Confession of Faith and the larger and shorter catechisms. This is our system of doctrine. Now, you can either be a strict subscriptionist, which means that you must hold to every line of this confession. Uh, And you may have a scruple here and there and a presbytery has to decide whether or not it's an acceptable scruple or in good faith subscription, you can have exceptions and then uh, your presbytery has to decide whether or not those exceptions strike at the vitals of the Christian faith or whether or not they are acceptable exceptions within your presbytery. Well, you see where I'm going here (laughs) over the years because there has been a breakdown in the seriousness with which many men take the confession is they will simply give a nod to the confession mm. and or make lots of exception, have take lots of exceptions to the confession on areas of the Sabbath and uh, on uh, uh, second commandment issues and on women reading the mm-hmm. scriptures and public worship and. Uh, and then we could just keep going here. Yeah, okay. And if they were honest, they would actually take a lot more exceptions because of the things that they are withholding from teaching or are teaching that are out of accord with the confession. Mm-hmm. And there, there needs to be a will to discipline men like that, which we have in many ways lost that yes. will in many quarters of the PCA. So as you can understand, as I'm explaining this, when a denomination In its presbyteries and individually in its ministers aren't really taking the confessional standards as seriously as we did in the past you have a a breakdown Uh in the unity of the denomination Uh uh, so that you can have men who declare to have uh, a proper view of sanctification and yet uh, hold on to a gay identity Uh yes right they wouldn't take exceptions to the doctrine of sanctification but they'd say i believe what the standards say about it and yet by their teaching by what they believe they actually do not that's why we're having these issues right Right. now uh, within the denomination and so that that was a very important um yes uh, lecture It, it was the first one of the conference and it really set the tone and by the way all of these lectures we're advocating for a warm-hearted confessional Presbyterianism. This wasn't just a polemic conference. We weren't coming in with every lecture and sort of blasting away. It was very much a, a, a warm-hearted, uh, positive approach. But, of course, there needs to be critiques uh, from time to time in order to... Uh, a good teaching always has critiques right. of, of the things that are an error. Uh, but there were several other... Um, uh, uh, talks as well. I don't know if any of them,
1: uh, any other ones, kind of h- hit a note with you. And so Joe Beaky's. You know, I love mm. hearing Joe Beaky preach about the Puritans. And so Joe Beaky. we all. <laughs> So Joe, uh, Doctor Joe beakey gave a talk on basically Christian piety or the old path of Christian piety that which is basically brought down to us by the Puritans. And I think a point that he made that I thought was well, uh, I, I guess. Well, worth repeating is that he pictured that the Puritans were those who took advantage of the systematic work that early Reformed and Calvin did. And so the Puritans were those who had the privilege of not having to fight old battles on justification and authority, sole fide, and the fossils of the Reformation. They actually had the privilege of now asking the question how does all of this Reformation doctrine that have been fought for, how does this apply to the whole man, to the whole person? And so that is where Christian piety comes into view. So Christian piety is not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's an application of all that we believe about Christ. It's an application of all that we believe about the doctrines of the Reformation in a sense. And so when Joel Beagie speaks about the actual diligent use of the means of grace that's just an application of calvin's teaching on the sacraments on the necessity of preaching and how preaching gives us the whole christ he quotes a lot from a number of different people concerning beyond just means of grace but just what do we deal how does the ordinary christian uh take the doctrine of sanctification and apply it to their marriage? How does the ordinary Christian take the doctrine of sanctification and apply it to their work? And so it's the privilege, in a sense, that the generation of the Puritans in England have the privilege of taking what is known from Calvin, early Reformation now having a whole... True embodied sense of sanctification. And what I found, it was, I, I like that point because it basically means that the Puritans weren't novel in any sense. They were just fleshing out what was already given to them. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, that means when you read the Puritans, you can kind of get the impression that they are really intense sort of people, but that's not how they would have perceived it. They would have perceived mm-hmm. that we now have the ability to take all of this brilliant gospel truth, which was hidden or at least uh, displaced in early generations, and we can now apply it to every point of life. And that's why the Puritan pursuit is the whole glory of God for the whole person. Amen.
2: Um, on Wednesday evening, hmm. uh, Harry Reader and I, uh, basically did like a, a tag team in a way um, I let off and then Harry uh, uh, hit, hit a grand slam uh, there in his talk, I really encourage you to listen to Harry's uh, talk um, Yes, on uh, Christ's church on mission on, uh, message. on message and in, in ministry. ministry very helpful, but what I, what I try to do in my uh, talk was to bring our people back to the beginning yes. of the PCA Uh, December 4th, 1973, that first worship service and that first General Assembly, which uh, actually was hosted by Briarwood Mm -hmm. Presbyterian Church (laughs) uh, in Birmingham, where we had our conference. Uh, At that first General Assembly, a General Assembly of of 338 commissioners, which are ruling elders and teaching elders, representing 260 congregations uh, gathered uh to uh form a new denomination called mm-hmm. the Presbyterian others uh, called the National Presbyterian Church initially yeah. and they had to change the name because of legal issues. Mm-hmm. Uh but they were in the mainline PCUS. Mm-hmm. And the PCUS, the mainline Presbyterian Church where which now is called the PCUSA and uh they in the late 60s were ordaining uh men uh, and women <laughs> mm-hmm. who uh, did not believe in the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they were ordaining men and women who didn't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, and uh, homosexuality already had already had a foothold in the church. And so they knew it was time to go. Uh, after fighting for many, many years, they decided to form a new denomination, and uh, a denomination that would be faithful to the Scriptures true to the Reformed faith, and obedient to the Great Commission. Mm, Uh, And so, um, this assembly uh, was a real flashpoint of of orthodoxy. Uh, They were uh, unfurling their flags of orthodoxy and saying, we are no longer going to live within this unfaithful, unbiblical denomination. We're going to begin a new denomination where we stand for what is right, where we hold fast to the Reformed faith, where we're obedient to the Great Commission. Uh, and here we are, almost 50 years later, and a, a shift has, uh, has taken place. Uh, one thing I uh, tried to uh, communicate uh, in my talk uh, is that there, there has been this, uh, this shift um, moving away from a kind of Biblical Reformed orthodoxy to a kind of progressivism yeah. that is informed not just by theology, but sociology, mm-hmm. uh, not just by doctrine, but by psychology right. and uh, and the culture, a kind of over-contextualization, uh, an over-concern about what the world would think yeah. about what we say, rather than being uh, ultimately concerned about what... Uh, the Lord is saying in His Word, and so uh, these are the uh, the concerns I tried to to bring out in my my talk to call uh, God's people in the PCA back to the Scriptures, back to that which uh, was at the forefront when the PCA was founded, and uh, how we can still save our denomination from. Uh, a full-orbed liberalism, which is what progressivism always turns
0: into if left unattended. Right. And after uh, Dr. Reeder's message on Wednesday evening, you gave a a brief announcement about a meeting coming up in September. Uh, Would you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, the Gospel Reformation Network Council agreed
2: that uh, with everything going on in the denomination right now, that it's uh, important that we continue to talk about, to, mm. to, to discuss the various challenges that are taking place in the PCA and how we ought to respond to those challenges uh, in a godly way, in a, in a humble way, uh, but in a courageous way, yeah. uh, just to, to do that which we believe is right. And, and so we are uh, gathering together uh, for a meeting of concerned Presbyterians. This meeting is open to PCA, teaching elders and ruling elders only. Mm -hmm. Um, And it will be at the Second Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina, September 25th. It's a day meeting from nine to three uh, and a time to hear from some of the GRN leaders, uh, perhaps from others uh, to have a kind of forum atmosphere. It's not going to be a conference. It's going to be a, a truly a meeting of concerned Presbyterians to talk about Uh, The current issues, of course, there'll be a lot more to talk about after this year's GA. That's exactly right. Uh, So some people have asked me about the agenda of the meeting, and I I tell them, listen, we can't talk about an agenda until after St. Louis. Yes. The PCA General Assembly is taking place June 28th through July 1st, uh, and uh, so please pray uh, for the PCA, pray for this year's General Assembly, pray for the work of the GRN, Uh, Pray that the Lord will bring us back to our theological and confessional roots uh, when this denomination started and uh, that we'll continue uh, to honor and to
0: glorify God um, into the future. Amen. Well, I'd once again encourage everyone to listen to the Gospel Reformation Network conference uh, lectures. Um, If you are uh, a, a member of another PCA church, send them to your pastors and elders and, and ask them questions about this. And, 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 uh, and, and if you are a PCA elder or a ruling elder or teaching elder, I hope to see you in Greenville in September um, and before that at General Assembly in, uh, in St. Louis at the end of June. Um, but we thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Between the Times and hope to see you next time.